Hello, everybody. Mackenzie here, coming at you with the next installment in our episode-by-episode review of the new hit musical show, Schmigadoo. In each episode, either myself or Autumn and I will be breaking down the events of the episode, the songs, and the new characters who get featured in the latest episode. Uh, We'll also be pointing out the fun Golden Age musical Easter eggs as this show pulls heavily from that era of the musical theater canon. So let's dive into episode five, the penultimate episode of this season. So what happened in this episode? So this episode opens with Josh getting passed over for a fellowship at the hospital. Melissa comforts him, but he mocks her when when she um, misspeaks the cliche of dog eat dog as doggy dog. And then an, an argument ensues. Where Josh points out Melissa doesn't normally admit when she's wrong, but it kind of doubles down on a, on a mistake. Then later on that night, he apologizes to her and they reconcile. Then we flash forward and now we're in Schmigadoon. And, and so uh, after the romantic lip lock that we saw happen with uh, Melissa and Doc Lopez at the end of episode four, we're now basically picking up right where we left off with that with him returning to the doctor's office. And they connect by doing their top three worst moments of the day which is something that Josh and Melissa used to do. And we saw that happen after the wedding scene in episode three, I believe. Uh, And then as they're talking, Melissa uh, shows she's continuing to fall for Doc Lopez by singing the song, Suddenly Reprise. And this is where she expresses her growing interest. And the number ends with a shall we dance waltz around the office. Uh, And then as they're waltzing, Doc Lopez's glamorous fiance, Countess Gabriela von uh, Blurkum, or or commonly referred to as Blurky, uh, returns unexpectedly from the city, and she um, is quite shocked by seeing Doc Lopez flirting with the help, as she calls Melissa. Uh, and Melissa cockily expects the Countess to graciously step aside, as the Baroness does in The Sound of Music. And they agree to go on a drive the next day to connect with one another. The next day, we first tune in to see Josh, Emma, and Carson on a picnic, uh, which is going well until Josh accidentally misspeaks about how hard it is for Emma to be both a parent and a sister to Carson, which sets her off a bit. And so she leaves the picnic in a hurry, leaving Josh very confused. Meanwhile, in town, we see Mildred incite a moral panic against the strangers, uh, uh, aka Josh and Melissa, and she announces her candidacy for mayor with the song Tribulation. Emma and Josh and Carson then return to the schoolhouse. Emma has Carson write lines for spying on her and Josh. Josh shows Carson a trick to help him write lines faster, but he also explains that you still have to work for things, not always take the easy route. We'll see if he lives up to that himself. Then, after that, we then cut back over to to the car ride that the Countess and Melissa are taking. And as uh, they drive, uh, the Countess sings about how she's with the other woman in in, um, the relationships and how she's always getting passed over for somebody else. And so we have that in the song, I always, always never get my man. And so then all of a sudden, the Countess pulls a gun on Melissa and leaves her on the side of the road in the countryside, saying that uh, Melissa should stay away from the doctor because the doctor will be her partner, come hell or high water. And she drives off. Then in the schoolhouse, Emma confides in Josh that she she is, in uh, actuality, Carson's mother and her parents disowned her 
before becoming pregnant out of wedlock. Carson then overhears this revelation and runs off upset uh, with Josh and Emma running after him. Meanwhile, back out on the side of the road, Melissa gathers her belongings and discovers that the symbolic rock heart uh, that she thought Josh had lost uh, way back in episode one, she's actually now found it. It was in her backpack all along, like he said to her. So she's having this moment of realization going, oh, I doubled down. I made a mistake. And in her despair of, uh, of the situation, she dismisses the dream ballet right before it begins. <laughs> so unfortunately, we don't get a fun dream ballet. Meanwhile, at the end, the episode ends with Josh searching the woods for Carson. Along the way, he's ambushed by Danny. Uh, and basically, Danny beats him up a bit, knocks him to the ground. And that's where Josh finds the rock heart that Melissa threw away in episode two. So now both so now both parts of the couple have found their hearts again. So symbolism there. All right. So new characters we get. So we have two characters we're going to talk about. First off is Countess Gabriella von Blurkum, aka Blurky, aka the Countess, who is played by the wonderful Jane Krakowski. So like Martin Short as the Leprechaun, this is a fun cameo role for uh, Krakowski, who is terrific. And is a true Broadway Tony Award-winning actress, so stellar. However, unlike uh, Schwartz Leprechaun, who's mainly just there at the end of the episode to do a bit of an exposition dump, the Countess is actually a character that has influence and a role to play in the plot. And because of that, I don't think Krakowski's uh, Countess works quite as well or hits the mark I, as I think it should. This is certainly not a knock on Krakowski, who does a lot of great work with limited screen time and script she's given. Uh, but she's set up to be this obstacle for Melissa and Doc Lopez. And yet it feels forced. It feels almost like the creators are like, oh, we need to do the Baroness trope or, or the other woman trope from, from all these golden age musicals. Yet they didn't fully flesh it out like they should have. Like they could have set her up better. They could have had her show up a little bit sooner so there's a bit more of a conflict. Like the Baroness in The Sound of Music, yes, she's in a limited amount of, of time on stage in Sound of Music, but yet she's said to be a great foil to Maria. She's not just a one and done scene person. And that's kind of what we got with the Countess here. Yet we're given hints of what could have been, where at the end of the episode, the Countess points out how, in reality, Melissa's actually the, the antagonist of this story because she's coming into a already pre established relationship and breaking it up. Uh, and she's right. Uh, her, uh, the, the Countess and, and Doc Lopez, when once again, we don't know what they were like before Melissa showed up, but clearly there was some type of connection between the two of them. Uh, and all of a sudden Melissa shows up and Doc Lopez starts cheating on the Countess when she's out of town. So, yeah, I mean, the Countess got a point, but yet it comes right at the very end of the episode and then they fish off with, oh, by the way, I am a Nazi, making allusions to the fact that some readings of the Baroness in Sound of Music are that she is a Nazi as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we don't get to sit enough in that argument. And it would have been great to give her more time to actually sit in that argument and explore that concept a bit further. So, yeah, I think it's mainly because the lack of time. This character is not better developed. And that's too bad because there's great concepts here. It just wasn't fully developed. Once again, that's nothing on Jane Krakowski. It's on the writing of this episode and the writing of the show in general, and just the pacing that they did. 
So a little bit too bad, but Jane Cressy does a pretty good job with what she's given. <laughs> right. So next uh, person we're going to be exploring is the character of Carson, played by Liam uh, Queering Nakiti. Apologies for butchering that name. Liam. Uh, but so this character, we've known him since the first episode of the show. He showed up very early on. He's being a presence in basically every episode. The fact that uh, everybody makes reference to the fact that he's always around shouting things out clearly shows that he's an integral part of this town. And Liam does a terrific job playing this lisping character role with such enthusiasm and also sincerity. Like he knows how to really balance the comedy and heart well, depending on what type of scene he's in. His scenes with Emma and Josh are full of true, genuine connections while also being very comedic. Like his whole counting the ants scene or him just connecting with Josh about the kazoo really is a beautiful uh, pairing. And Liam also has this really fun way of doing that kind of child acting thing where they say a lot of stuff really deadpan and kind of emotionally one-noted. But also, he's still be able to find and be able to drop that into some deeper moments, too. So it's been a really beautiful performance. And this is clearly a character based off the character of Winthrop from The Music Man. And they've done a great job adapting that role. I mean, there's a lot of theories about The Music Man where Winthrop actually is Marion's son. I've seen I've seen a few productions that have actually gone that kind of route. Whereas the fact that Mrs. Peru in the musical uh, Music Man is always played as far too old to have had Winthrop. Um, and yet Marion would be the most likely other candidate. So I like the fact that this uh, Schmigadoon let, uh, leaned into that concept and kind of just went for it. That was really fun and really a great theory to see play out. And it was played out beautifully. Um, the connection that Emma and Carson have throughout the show has been phenomenal. So bravo to you, Liam. You've done a great job with this character that could have easily just been in one note uh, comedic joke. You've really given it something special. So well done. All right, let's talk about the songs, shall we? So first song we have is Suddenly, the Melissa Reprise. There's no sense in trying to explain me What and where and why and when and how All I know is suddenly I love you This is a nice follow-up to last week's song, Suddenly. Uh, but what's neat is, uh, in that version that we saw last week, neither Josh nor Melissa sing, uh, which we noted. And yet this time we're now seeing Melissa is singing, which illustrates Melissa is following for Doc Lopez and showing she is still very much in the camp of grand romance. And that's exactly what this is. I mean, they're waltzing around the office, they're singing big. It all works for Melissa. This is what she is, right? She's that big, eager full of life, grand romance characters. So this works. Also, it's a nice little uh, Easter egg is that right before they also get the iconic three big chord notes that lead into the shall we dance dance in, in, in The King and I. So it's the bum, bum, bum. So that's a really nice way of 
uh, making homage to that. And it's a very iconic bit of music. So it's wonderful. And it's once again, it's a nice way to further build up the coupling of Josh and Doc Lopez, which sets up that there is a real chance that Josh and Melissa don't get back together. They stick with Emma and Doc Lopez, and there's something to that. So, yeah. All right, next up, we got the big song of the episode, Tribulation, sung by Christian Chenoweth. Hold on to your husband, best keep an eye on your wife. There's gonna be some tribulation and strife. Oh, we've got strife. And it truly is a big song. It's It was famously in the media for the fact that Christian Chenoweth did this song in one take repeatedly. She did a few, four or five takes of this song, but it was all done in one continuous shot. And she did uh, 18 pages worth of dialogue, apparently. This is a big song to tackle. Lots of old-fashioned words that can trip you up. And what's great is, once again, this is a very clear pull from Music Man with Harold Hill and him doing the song, You Got Trouble. And this song is also neat because just like Autumn and I have discussed in previous episodes like Parade, Beauty and the Beast, and a few others, uh, this is very much a song showcasing the whole concept of mob mentality and what that can do to a community. And we see that is very common in Golden Age musicals, whether it's how the community rallies around Curly after the murder of Judd Fry, or the way that the community ostracizes Billy Bigelow, you know, maybe he is abusive, so maybe he, he, he deserves some, some of that. Uh, ostracizing for sure um but there it shows up continuously this concept of the community being whipped up into some type of mob against something or someone that doesn't fit their values or their morals and so it's a great exploration of that once again it's showing how easily how one disgruntled townsperson can whip everybody else up and get them on side of their issue really well so it's a really well done song. And it's also great to see how Mildred can twist all the events of the last episodes, like the basket auction, Melissa and Josh wanting to stay in the same room with each other when they arrived at the inn, the way they've now kind of corrupted certain townspeople like Betsy and Danny and Doc Lopez, uh, how they're all kind of going through town and kind of creating this whirlwind of trouble for, for, for Christian Channelist Mildred Layton. And it's really great to see her spin on that. And also, I mean, uh, the showrunners here have created a really fun song filled with incredibly old-timey jargon. So things like Tommy Rock, Flab Doodle, Clap Trap, Fiddle Faddle, Jigger, uh, Jiggery Pokery, like all types of good ones that you can just see Chris Chow with it just chewing the scenery with that. Also, Chris Chow pointed out that she did make a small little homage uh, Easter egg to a former president who also holds a Bible upside down uh, as well. So we don't know who we're talking about here. But yes, very much kind of a whole concept of someone who espouses the values of the Bible, but doesn't ever actually live by them. So really kind of a great mess, double messaging there. So well done song. Well done, Chris Chow. This is truly being one of my favorite songs of the whole series, for sure. And I've listened to the song on repeat. It's great. It gets you going in the morning. All right, then we have the next song, which is I Always, Always, Never Get My Man. That's sung by The Countess. 
And this song is very much reminiscent of an ode to Cole Porter and his uh, ode to the flirtatious women with the song of Always True to You in My Fashion and Kiss Me. It's almost melodically identical to what we have with that one. And Tony winner, Jake Krakowski, makes the most of this number. I mean, she only has one song in the entire series and she kills it. Like, it's hilarious the way they stationed it in this car with the really 1950s, 1960s fake driving background. And then just the way they used her iconically long legs, never flipping through the car, it's wonderfully staged. And the lyrics are also great because they illustrate how this trope of the other women in Golden Age musicals always getting passed over for someone else. It's great. It's a really fun number. And I mean, you can see just how much fun Krakowski was having with this. She was having a blast. And then, of course, it all comes to a crashing finale when she pulls a gun on Melissa. So at one point, you're rooting for being like, yeah, you are the other woman who doesn't deserve to get passed over all the time. But then she pulls a gun and you're like, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. No. So it's so well done. And for such a limited character, this was a fun number to have. All right, let's get into final thoughts. So this episode is a bit of a mixed uh, bag for me. Uh, you can tell on one hand, the show is trying to wrap up things for the season, but they're still introducing more issues to solve. And we only have one episode left. So while I like Krakowski's character of the Countess, I think if she was going to be a real threat to Melissa, it would have had to have done a better job setting her up, as well as her and Doc Lopez. You know, just having her in town and having watching their 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 reactions to things a little bit more, having her be a little bit more present, so it's a little bit more of a struggle for Melissa to do what she has to do. Like just kind of like Maria has the sound of music, like like the Baroness shows up and it's actually a legitimate threat to to Maria and Captain Von Trapp's relationship. So. Yeah, that could have been set up better. And then you also have the whole concept of Mildred running for mayor, which I don't think we have enough time to flesh out this concept. So I fear that in the next episode, we're going to have a rush conclusion to this plot point, which is too bad because it's a great idea with tons of plot potential. I mean, I would love to see a debate song between Mayor Menlove and, and Mildred Layton. I would love to see her on the campaign trail doing so much more work on this but yet i think we're just going to get a quick wrap up in the next episode which is too bad um so once again it's an introduced concept that doesn't get its due diligence uh and then we have of course one of my biggest questions which is why you have danny show up in the middle of the woods randomly to punch josh just so he falls on the ground and finds the heart when easily he gets to be running through the forest to trip over a root and find the rock like finds it the same way. He's got to fall on the ground. That's the basics of what that scene does. But yet for this, we had to go through this whole rigmarole of Danny randomly showing up saying, that's for getting in the way of my girl. It's like, seriously? Why do we need that? I feel like, I feel like there was some more deleted content there that we just didn't get to see. So yeah, didn't quite work for me there. But what did work for me was all the musical numbers of the episode. They were beautifully staged, beautifully sung, beautifully choreographed. Like it was a, like each of those numbers were great. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the musical numbers in this episode, and 
but yet the plotting of, of, of this latter end of the season, I'm starting to question whether or not they gave themselves enough time. And I think I'm more right in my previous episode where I said we needed more episodes to really flesh the story out properly, give everybody time to really sink and sit into these roles. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. So while this is a good episode, I'm seeing the bigger problem of we need more time with this to really kind of flesh this world out some more. We're only hitting the guideposts, we're not diving deep and exploring what those guideposts really contain. So, yeah, that's that's where I'll end that episode. So hopefully we get some better resolution to that down the road. Fingers crossed. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Tune in next week for the season finale episode on Schmigadoon. Thanks. Bye.